Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brennan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Going YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rafael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, all alone again this week, but we have another fantastic show ready for you today. ARCA driver Zachary Tinkle will join me in the second segment to talk about his career and all the things he's up to right now. It's a great interview. I encourage you to stick around for that to hear more about an up-and-coming driver in the ARCA Menard series. But we've also got some pretty crazy racing to recap. Texas this weekend was wild. And uh, I'm going to break it all down after a word from our sponsors. First off, 213simware.com. They sponsor the third segment of this week's show, as well as the race day tweet. Um, all of that, they do a lot for the, for the show, and, and we really appreciate them. Go to 213simware.com for all your sim racing merchandise needs. They're the best place to get your iRacing car, your, I don't know, your F1 car, whatever you want for your sim racing uh, team and, and organization, you can put it on a shirt for free at 213simware.com and you can go check them all out over there. Highly recommend using their service. Circle B Diecast, lots of new diecasts coming out right now. Go to uh, use our, if, if you're making a purchase there, use our code QUICKPIT, that's all caps, no spaces, for $5 off an order of $30 or more. You save some money, gets us some points. Great deal for both of, both of us, and uh, go go check that out. They've got a lot of great stuff on there. And Washington on the Daily, as always, go follow at WSH on the Daily on Instagram and Twitter for all your Washington Commanders news and updates. Let's get into Texas. Texas was wild. It was crazy. And um, I'll be honest, I was getting a little tired of it at the end. Um, because there was a lot of stuff that happened. Tires were a huge issue. Multiple drivers blew tires from the lead. There were a ton of cautions, 16 total, I believe. And uh, it's really, um, frankly, concerning. I don't know whose fault it is, whether it's Goodyear's, whether it's the teams. Goodyear blames the teams. The teams, some of them agree. Some of them are blaming Goodyear. Let's get into the top 10 first, and then we'll talk all about it. Denny Hamlin finishes 10th, got spun out by William Byron under caution. Uh, Byron ended up being penalized this week. 25 points, which dropped him from well well uh, in the uh, the playoffs, the, the well in front of the round of eight cutoff to eight points out. If not for that penalty, he would be sitting um, in fifth, tied with Denny Hamlin, actually. But uh, he has lost 25 points, been fined $50,000. Ty Gibbs also got fined $75,000 as well as 25 owner points for the 23 team for swiping at a car on pit road. Ty Dillon uh, came very close to hitting an official. That's a big no-no, super concerning for that. Uh, Ty Gibbs really needs to get his head on straight. Um so he got fined a lot. Byron got fined a good amount. Denny Hamlin was probably going to be in contention for this race win, if not for, for Byron dumping him under caution near the end of the race. Hamlin still battles back to a top 10, but probably could have been more for the driver of the 11. 
Kyle Larson started ninth, finished ninth, led 19 laps and won a stage, but was never a factor for the win late. Brad Keselowski started on the pole, led 31 laps, had a good race overall, fell back in the middle portions of the race, but rallied to another top 10. He's been really, really good as of late. Aforementioned William Byron finished seventh, led 42 laps. He was pretty good as well. Um, Eric Jones finished sixth. He also had a run-in with Ty Gibbs and was chirping at him on Twitter. Um, he gets another strong run. The playoffs have been really good for him. I'd love to see where he would be if he had made the playoffs, where his points so far would have put him because of that win at Darlington. Obviously, if he was in the playoffs, would have locked him into this round. Chase Briscoe had a terrible car all night after the rain, or rain really just lightning delay um, at the beginning of the third stage that made the race finish in the dark. Uh, Briscoe's car came alive, drove up to the front, got a top five, and instead of being buried in the point standings and way out of making the round of eight, he's now the last driver in, seven points to the good. So really great turnaround. I think that would be, if you had to pick a driver of the day, I think that would have to be my pick for uh, this race, Chase Briscoe, with a really, really solid run. Ryan Blaney also won the other stage, finished fourth, led 29 laps. Good day for him, the Texas All-Star winner from earlier this season. Justin Haley had a phenomenal race, uh, kind of came out of nowhere at the end of the race to get into the third finishing spot, got a podium. Good run for the driver of the 31. He's had a couple of those races this year where he just shows up and has a uh, really impressive performance. I think he definitely has a bright future in the Cup Series. He's shown a lot of flashes this year and is, is pretty promising, really. He's had a pretty good season. He's 22nd in points, which is really good for basically a rookie. I know he ran a lot of races last year, but pretty, pretty, pretty good for, for Justin Haley there. Joey Logano finishes second, led 15, 15 laps, could not chase down the eventual winner at the end, but he did show up for another good run, and he remains as he's been a pretty consistent at the top of the playoff standing since the playoffs started, um, and really another really super solid run. He's now 37 points to the good, which is not a perfect uh, cushion, but definitely uh you can afford to have a mulligan over the next two races before the before the um, four bottom four drivers get knocked out. Uh, with Talladega and the Robo coming up, it's nice to have that many points in your back pocket. And Tyler Reddick grabs his third win of the season, leading 70 laps, gets a win. He's uh, a current playoff driver, has not won a race yet this playoffs. Reddick was in last round but got eliminated last week at Bristol so we have yet to have a driver in the playoffs lock himself into the next round with a win as Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace and Chris Busher won the three races in the round of 16 none of them were in the playoffs at all Tyler Reddick was in the playoffs at this earlier in in the fall but was not in the playoffs for Sunday's race at Texas but third third career win third win of the season Awesome run for Reddick, and he just continues to impress this season. How about this stat? The first two years of his career, he combined to lead 73 laps. He led 30 laps in 2020, and he led 43 laps in 2021. 
This season, with three wins, ten top fives, which is way more than he had in his first two seasons. He has more polls. Doesn't have as many top tens as he had last year, but he's trending towards that. Redick has 439 laps led. That's a huge, huge jump. Super impressive for the young driver. It's a shame that uh, RCR is losing him, but they do get Kyle Busch. So a uh, pretty good trade if you had to lose Redick to, to replace him with Kyle Busch. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see where his career goes because he definitely looks like a future star. Really uh, turning on the Jets here, and he's going to end up having a very good uh, end to the season, I think. Let's look at some of the drivers that did not have a good race. Chris Buescher crashed out. Martin Truex Jr. crashed out. Chase Elliott crashed out. Cody Ware had a really nasty wreck um, that uh, he collapsed after getting out. He overcorrected on a spinning car in turn four, hit the wall head-on, nose first, slid. Uh, he said the throttle hung post-race, and he uh, careened down pit road, hitting the wall, barely avoiding an opening in the pit wall that if he had hit it, would have either hurt him or hurt crew members or both, really. Um, and he... It, it, it was a scary wreck. It really was uh, probably the, the heaviest wreck I've seen and the most affected I've seen a driver getting out of a wreck this season with this next-gen car. Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, and Kyle Busch also did not finish the race. Pretty much all of them had issues with blown tires, blown right side tires in turns three and four. And there's lots of factors that could have gone into this. I'm sure the tire probably could have been tougher. The teams also apparently have been not listening to Goodyear on the air pressures. So the teams cannot point at Goodyear and say this is all your fault. No, the teams have been reckless with the air pressures and... I mean, Reddick's crew chief, Randall Burnett, said the only reason we survived was because we, were, um, we weren't as aggressive on the, on the tires. And any, anyone who, who got aggressive seemed to have issues with tires throughout the day. Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. spun out. I don't think his was tire-related, but you also had, uh, I think, Eric Almirola blew a tire. You had uh, Kevin Harvick wrecked from the lead blue tire he was able to finish the race <coughs> excuse me um you, you had uh yeah chris busher there were so many drivers that blew tires uh, alex bowman as as mentioned in the same spot the same tire same spot same result um it was turning into a bit of a debacle there were uh definitely have been comparisons to the brickyard in 2008 I don't think it was that bad although I frankly have never watched the race but from what I've read and heard I don't think it was that bad but when you have three leaders of the race at least wreck out because in the same spot from a tire issue multiple playoff contenders all have issues with nothing they they can control whose whose fault is this what what can be done to solve this issue because let's not forget there have been tire issues at these types of tracks all season long nothing as bad as texas was this past weekend but i mean kansas you had drivers with tire issues both kansas races you had um i believe there were some at the all-star you had issues with guys spinning out and losing it blowing tires at the coke 600 you You've had issues at these types of tracks all year long. I mean, 
Christopher Bell, I think, is, is, feels like he spins out with a tire issue every mile and a half they go to. So if you're a playoff contender and you're going into Vegas in a couple weeks, or you're going into Homestead, which isn't the same track layout, but it's still a mile and a half, high speeds, tire wear, are you a little concerned? Because Jeff Gluck brought this up on his podcast that even though this playoffs has been filled with chaos and uncertainty, it doesn't, it's not the same as, it's not the kind of chaos you want. And I know that it's kind of picky to be, it, it, it's, it's not a good look to be picky about the chaos. If you want drama and excitement, you should be happy with whatever you get. But if, if it's just Russian roulette for these drivers and these teams where even though, okay, there's these recommendations for air pressure, tire pressure, stuff like that that Goodyear gives the teams. I don't think anybody's running the recommended. There's these guys who are being more uh, crazy with it than others. So if you're a team, but but every driver has a different style, I'm sure it's not a perfect science. What, what one driver may have uh, blown a tire at one certain air pressure, that same air pressure on a different driver's tire might never blow in a race. And... If you're a playoff driver, how, how do you look at this and say, this is how, if you're NASCAR, how do you look at this and say, this is how we decide our champion? Whoever gets lucky. Whoever's tires don't fail on them. Because you look at Chase Elliott. I think pretty much, I think any rational, excuse me, rational fan in NASCAR can look at this season and say, Chase Elliott has been the most consistent driver this year. But at this point, I don't know if he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna win the championship. It doesn't feel like it's trending that way. Right now, in the non-playoff standings, just the straight-up point standings for the year, which don't count for anything, but it's still interesting to look at. Chase Elliott has a 94-point lead over Joey Logano. That's nearly two races. That is a dominant season. Right now, in the playoff standings, Chase Elliott is one wreck at Talladega from being on the bubble going into another wild card at the Roval in, in two weeks. I mean, yes, it's the nature of the beast. Someone good, someone really good gets knocked out of the playoffs every single year. I mean, you had, I mean, Tyler Reddick got bumped out last year. You had Kevin Harvick uh, famously getting bumped out in the round of eight a couple years ago. It's it's not rare, but when you look at it, in, in the years past, there were not these issues, not these fires that are happening to the Fords at Darlington. Not all the, all the power steering failures at Bristol that we had last week. No, no tire issues at Texas. That, that sort of stuff did not happen in years prior. And if it did, it was the team's fault because the team made the parts and the team team uh, did would have to mess up the driver would have to mess up or the team would have to mess up manufacturing the parts or mess up on pit road and do something wrong that they could blame themselves this year who do you blame you can't blame the teams because they're all assembling the same car from the same parts you can't really blame nascar you can't blame the I don't think you can blame Goodyear for what happened at Texas, at least not completely. But it's like 
it, it, the champion this year will most likely be the guy who survives. Not the guy who goes and wins it. The guy who survives. Because, look, Daniel Suarez survived the first round. He survived the first race. The, both Trackhouse cards admitted that for Sunday's race at Texas, they went very conservative on the tire pressures. And they didn't have any problems. They both led one lap. They finished right next to each other. Suarez in 12th, Chastain in 13th. Guess what? Suarez is 11 points to the good in 6th place. Chastain is in 2nd, 25 points to the good. Both have a good amount of stage points. If they make it to the next round, they're going to have a, a, a decent amount of cushion from the playoff points. But I, I would say Chast neither Chastain or Suarez have been good this year. I mean, they've been good. Neither of them have been a championship level, uh, have raced at a championship level this season, aside from Chastain in April and May, which I guess, okay, Chastain maybe. But Suarez, if, you, if, if I look at the playoff grid right now, I would say that Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, maybe Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, those are the guys, maybe Denny Hamlin if you throw out the first two months of the season where he just could not finish a race. Since then, he's been really good. There's a lot of guys who are trending towards making it into the round of eight. Once you get to the round of eight, anything can happen. Someone weird always gets to the championship four. You get to that point, whoever whoever is able to just avoid the mess, avoid it. I mean, if Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain ride in the back at Talladega, they avoid the wrecks. They both finish fifteenth ish in that area. Whereas someone like someone like Elliott gets caught up in a wreck, and Briscoe or Hamlin or Blaney and and some of the guys already below the bubble, you go into the Roval. Two guys are already in must wins. Two others are kind of close. <clears throat> you just run your race at the Roval. Boom, you're in the round of eight. You didn't finish in the top ten at all this round. <coughs> you're in the round of eight. You're good to go. This season, these playoffs more than ever are not about consistency. It's just about survival. And I don't like that. It's fun to watch the races. It's fun to be like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Oh my gosh, look at this. Oh my gosh, Kyle Busch has blown up for the second time in three races. But, is it a good way to decide a champion? It's entertaining for sure. I have been enjoying these playoffs a lot until after the races, and then it doesn't sit well. So, what what needs to happen? I don't know. It The next-gen car definitely is impacting this. It's made this season phenomenally interesting. We're sitting at 19 winners on the year, and I would be shocked if we don't get to 20 because between Blaney and Truex, who have both shown a tremendous amount of speed since the playoffs started, one of them's going to get a win. And we've got Talladega this week. Anyone can win this. There are probably five guys without wins that I would not be shocked at all if they won. You'd have Stenhouse, McDowell, Harrison Burton's been really good. He had a great race at Texas before having some issues later, but he ran up front and, and he went and got the lead himself. He had a great race. I think he finished uh, <clears throat> he finished 18th, but he led 15 laps. He had, a, he had way better a race. I think that was probably his most complete race he's run this year. Great run for Harrison Burton. Um, but you, you, <clears throat> you have Stenhouse, you have Burton, you have McDowell, you have Corey LeJoy, who's always there at the end of these races. You have Eric Almirola and Cole Custer. 
who will have teammates, <clears throat> plenty of help there. I mean, you throw in Todd Gilliland, you have Brad Kozlowski. <coughs> That's eight guys already, I think. Like, Talladega is going to be nuts. We'll get to the preview in the second segment. But Texas was yet another example of the unpredictability of this car, the inconsistencies with it. <coughs> I understand the safety re- overreaction, but you have to understand that ever since Ever since NASCAR even sniffed an issue with these cars being unsafe or the drivers being hurt more in incidents, you know they've been on it. You just can't issue a fix this fast. The fix will come before Daytona in February. I have I have no doubt that NASCAR will... I, I have no worries about NASCAR solving the um, the safety aspect. And I think, I think the, the quality of the parts will also improve. I don't worry about that too much. I don't worry about the the short tracks or anything like that. But for this playoffs, this car is going to continue to have issues. Some guys will continue to get banged up, unfortunately. I'm a little worried for Talladega. I really hope that there's not a Cody Ware-esque wreck at Talladega because that could be really bad. But all things considered, I'm optimistic about the future of the car. Although, like I said... (coughs) I don't know how much I like how the how it's shaping up for a champion to be crowned. So that that's my take on that. Texas, the drivers are worried that Texas will get turned into another Atlanta. I don't want it to be another Atlanta, but after that race, which was awful, honestly, when when you take it all in all into account, I would uh, easily. Um, vote for anything changing that honestly i just wanted to go back to how it was with how this car um operates on a mile and a half it's this car races really good on the mile and a half so if we could just get a if we could just turn texas back into a normal old mile and a half not with a funky turn one and two that would be fine by me we won't have to mess with the grandstands at all if they want to do a massive major reconfiguration i think they should do a homestead clone pretty much i think that would be cool would put on really good racing as long as the uh, tires wear. So lots of options. Just please, 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 not another Atlanta, especially not until you see how Atlanta ages. Because from all that we hear, Atlanta probably within the next five years is just going to turn into another mile and a half. So I don't see why you would put all that energy into making a new Atlanta-style track. Unless you're going to force a package to to make it make it race like that, so um, we'll, we'll have to see. There's been no official announcement, although NASCAR does have a press conference scheduled for um, Saturday, October second, at um, October first. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up on my dates. Um, October Saturday, uh, yeah. Is, is it's it's this weekend okay I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way it's this weekend um so who knows what that's gonna be although if it was a nascar pre- press conference it's probably not texas because texas is owned by smi but i think we'll see soon um with the new schedule being released a couple weeks ago it uh texas only has one race and it's this time next year so if they choose to do a reconfiguration they could do what they did with atlanta and um they'd have the time to do it for sure. So uh, my hope is a classic oval, not a D-shaped oval, but we'll see how that goes. 
Um, as I mentioned before, William Byron and Ty Gibbs were both penalized for their actions during Sunday's race. Byron for uh, intentionally spinning Danny Hamlin. Hamlin racing Byron for a spot earlier in the race pushed him into the wall a little bit. I don't think it certainly was not intentional. Byron got angry at Hamlin, and when the next caution came out, he uh, came up and spun the 11, and the 11 was not given his spot back. NASCAR said they didn't see it, which is a little bit of BS, but you know what? We're used to NASCAR's inconsistencies at this point. I'm not going to go over that again, given that I spent the last 10 minutes basically talking about that, but that was Texas. It was wild. It was crazy. Let's look at the playoff grid one more time. Joey Logano is in first. Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, and Daniel Suarez and Chase Elliott are all above 10 points to the good. The last driver in Chase Briscoe is 7 points to the good. Outside looking in, Austin Citric minus 7 in 9th. William Byron minus 8 after the 25-point penalty in 10th. Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman both had crashes and... Uh, we're not able to finish the race. Bowman did finish the race, but multiple laps down. So Bell is minus 25. Bowman is tw minus 26. They probably need a win or at least like top fives in both the last two races of the round. So coming up next, I will talk with up and coming ARCA series driver, Zachary Tinkle. He's running full time this year at ARCA. Super cool conversation. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. That's coming up next on the Quick Fit Podcast. Back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Back again with another great interview today, joined by Zachary Tinkle, ARCA driver, joins the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this interview, and I'm glad to be on the show. Cool. All right. So we'll get started right away. How did you get started in racing, and what's your first racing and NASCAR memory? What got you hooked in the sport? Um... I guess I kind of always, my mom always likes to joke that I came out the womb wanting to race. And I've, as far as I remember, I would always watch it even as a kid on the TV. And like, even when I was like two years old, as long as I can remember, I've always been watching it, but I wasn't really actively in the community uh, of racing. So um, I always wanted to do it. And uh, eventually we went to, and we moved up to Chicago um in 2013 there's this place that sadly doesn't exist anymore but called chicago indoor racing and where you could um make one run in a go-kart and you go around the track for like you know a five minute session and and that's what i did we you know tried it just once and i was hooked and you know it's like well it's um time for me to get in you know i was i didn't want to stop racing and um i still haven't quit racing since so it's just i guess that's how it started how has your career progressed up to this point from one your first race car your first race that you ran up until this season where you've been pretty much full-time in arca well um i started out racing um chicago indoor um racing in 2013 i ran their championship season there and uh, i think it was a junior division and so I ran that for 2013 
And then I went to the um, uh, CSR Super Cup Series in 2014, where I raced a mini cup. And I raced through that uh, mini cup car from 2014 through 2017. And then in 2018, I moved into a late model sportsman. And I ran that again in 2019. And 2020, we ran part-time and 21 and part-time in the CRA JEGS All-Stars Tour Pro Late Model Series. So, and then midway through 2021, I was um, pulled into, I had the opportunity to go ARCA racing with uh, Wayne Peterson Motorsports, and I've been there ever since. Awesome. So, speaking of Wayne Peterson Motorsports and your ARCA career, you drive for a smaller team. What does race day look like for you? What do you uh, help the team with? I'm assuming you probably don't just show up and drive like the cup guys do. You got to help work on the car. What does that look like? Um, usually, you know, I usually for us, we uh, most of the time, Wayne will take an open trailer and we pull it on an open trailer. We all have to, you know, push the car off and I have to, you know, we all have to push the car through tech a lot of times. So it's usually just myself, Wayne, and um, one crew guy. We're sometimes two, three. It's usually about three or four this year. Last year is just usually one or two. Um, so we would run about three three people on the team, um, excluding myself and my mom and dad. And we'd all, you know, push the car through tech, get it ready. And then we go out, um, practice. We usually, we usually really don't do a lot of practice laps when I drove for Wayne Peterson. Um, and basically we only do about four or five laps and then make an adjustment, then probably make another four or five laps. And that would be our practice since we usually don't get a lot of practice. And so we'll buy a set of used tires for the race and we race on used tires. So that's, pretty much how we'll how we'll do it uh it, it is interesting to hear that side of things do you ever get a chance to to run more competitively are there certain races that you might get a set of new tires you might get some newer parts that you might focus more on on, on running up front um not really haven't had the opportunity too many times this year. Uh, there are some tracks where the tire compound is different from other races. So there's some where you can't take a used tire and run it. So it basically um, forces you to buy a new set of tires. And those races end up being more expensive for us because we are essentially forced to buy a new set of tires. Otherwise, we're not allowed to race. Um, so there's select races where we do have to run, um, but it's for not, not really this year, um, where we have races where we're more focused on, but I would say races where we have actually a sponsor on the car, we definitely try and put more effort into it and try and run better and buy some sticker tires, buy a set we, um, of sticker tires. So that's kind of how it is for us so far. When, usually when we have a sponsor that's, you know, has the race paid for and we have extra funding. How do you prepare for it? Prepare for a race? What's your game or race day routine, pre-race, post-race? How do you get ready to, to go out there and compete? Well, I usually, during the week, I usually do a lot of um, workout. So there's a um, place I work out called Pit Fit Training here in Indianapolis. And so we, I work out there about three, three, 
on a race week, about three times and an off week, sometimes four to five days a week, um, depending on my schedule. And basically, you know, do a lot of, I do a lot of cardiovascular workouts and I do, do a little bit of lifting as well, but mainly, mainly, mainly cardiovascular workouts for my endurance. And then there's also an infrared sauna that I use there as well, which basically is to help uh, train myself for the heat of the car, which, you know, can get up to 180 degrees inside, especially on a hot day. And especially in the summer months, we use that a lot. And now it's, now it's a little bit cooler in um, October soon. Um, it's, it'll be a little bit cooler, but it definitely, it definitely helps. And of course I'll use, I use a lot of iRacing and stuff. So if the track is on iRacing for that, I'm running that weekend, I'll usually do every single day until I leave at least a hundred laps is my goal of that track um, or full race distance of the track in laps. And that's why I try and do every day. Yeah. iRacing is certainly a tool I got on it uh, this spring and I've had a lot of fun getting, getting into that. Um, who in racing has helped you during your career? Obviously the teams have given you an opportunity to drive, but any other fellow drivers, competitors that you've gotten to help hone your craft and, and learn from some of the better, some of the best drivers out there? Well, I would definitely say, you know, Wayne Peterson, because um, last year and kind of how I got into ARCA and I had, so we had our family owned and run late model team. And so um, uh, I would say getting me into late models, um, Mike Lors and Lors Motorsports really helped me a lot. And then in 2019 onwards, we had our own family team. It was just, you know, me, my mom and dad. And, um, and then we will have, um, so we had that. And during midway through 2021, you know, my dad had a, a stroke. And after that, we had to, we had to sell everything. And I actually thought my racing career was over and we wouldn't race again. That was when Wayne Peterson called me and offered me um, to run Berlin Raceway last year and ever you know been very great to us and now um I really also got to thank Andy Hillenberg who's really helped us out a lot in many ways on and off the racetrack and um you know and I also I do want to thank also Alex Club as well because you know if he didn't introduce me to uh Wayne Peterson I would have never have met you know never would have had the opportunity to run ARCA in the first place so I got to thank those people. What are your, or yeah, what are your goals? Uh, where do you want to be in two years, five years, 10 years in, in motorsports? Well, I think for now, I'd say the short-term goal is for me to stay in the ARCA series. Um, I'd like to get some, you know, focus more next year and trying to get better results. And I feel like I personally, you know, another year in ARCA and we'll see how it goes. And then if it goes well in 2024, um, we'll start looking at possibly the truck series or the Xfinity series and trying to find sponsorship for those series and then potentially go from there. And hopefully, you know, at least it would be really nice to lead, be able to race on Sunday every week like the cup guys. But even if I got a really good opportunity like the truck series to be like a Matt Crafton and run the truck series and a really good opportunity, I would be perfectly fine with that as well. 
Really, really cool. What else do you have in store for this season? Of course, the ARCA season is starting to wind down like all of NASCAR is starting to wind down. But what races uh, will you be competing in in the next couple of months? Well, um, I will be competing in all the re remaining um, Arkham Menard Series main races at Salem this weekend and Toledo Speedway, which I believe is October 8th on the top of my head. And those will be the last two races I will be running in the season, um, both of those uh, with fast track racing. And um, on the for me, shifting our focus has mainly shifted to the 2023 um, and sorting things out with the 2023 season. Very, very cool. All right. So some, some fun questions now. Uh, uh, other questions could have been fun too, but if you could go back and attend any race in motorsports history, you have like a time machine or whatever, what race would you go to, to be in attendance for? The, the 1992 Hooters 500 at Atlanta because it was Richard Petty's last start and Jeff Gordon's first start. And I was a Gordon fan growing up and it would have been so cool to see Richard Petty's last race and Jeff Gordon's first cup race. And also the incredible, um, you know, championship battle that came in where six drivers were in contention to have a mathematical shot at the championship going into it. So I would say if I could choose one race in NASCAR history or history of motorsports, it would be that race. That race is certainly a classic. Your website mentions that you're an avid diecast collector. What are some of your favorites in your own collection? And what's your uh, white whale you really want to have and you're chasing after one? Um, Let me think. I have... Let's see. I have quite a lot, so I'm trying to remember. But um, I would say for me, we have probably for me getting my own diecast made. We had one that was a professional one in 2015 or 16. I can't remember the exact year off the top of my head. That was off my mini cup race car. Um, that we have that one. Uh, that was that was really cool. Um, and there were quite a few because I have. Chase Elliott's first uh, cup start and like Jeff Gordon's last start. But I also have quite a few older ones uh, like Andy Hillenberg's 1995 ARCA championship car. So those would be ones in my collection that stand out. Probably ones I would like to get in the future is probably like Landon Castle's um, Voyager car that he has coming out. So that would be uh, that would be something that I'd probably get in the future. Very, very nice. All right. We like to close out our interviews with some rapid fire questions and the quick pit questions. So you can, you can elaborate as little or as much as you want. It could be a quick little answer. What's your favorite track on the current ARCA schedule? It would definitely be for me. I would have to say Salem Speedway coming up. It's a home race for me, but I really like Salem because it's bumpy, but it's fast. And you, it definitely really tests your physical strength, but it also requires a bit of both a mix of aggression and patience to run that track well. And it does take a little bit of past experience to get around that track well. And I really like it because it, it's definitely the two ends of the track are vastly different from each other. And I feel like it will create a good, it's very much a driver's track in that uh, sense. If logistics were not an issue, what's one track you'd add to the ARCA schedule for next year? 
I would probably say if logistics were not an issue, I would really like to race at Spa Franker Champs over in Belgium. That's one of the best tracks in the world, and it would be so cool to race if logistics were not an issue. But I would say if it's more local here in Indiana, I would say second to that would have to be bringing Winchester Speedway back to the ARCA schedule or even Martinsville Speedway. All of those would be great. I, I, I've i heard that a lot, seeing any any stock car go flying up the hill there at Spa would be pretty sick. Um, what's the best specific racetrack concession item? What racetrack has the best individual item? Hmm. I'm trying to think. I usually don't I usually don't get concessions at the racetrack that often. Not anymore, but um think like Martinsville hot dog kind of definitely thing. I would probably go with the Martinsville hot dog. I've never I've never actually had a Martinsville hot dog because I've I've never been to Martinsville Speedway, but I would have to say um Rockford Speedway, they had really good fries up there at Rockford Speedway when I raced there in the mini cuts. Uh, and they were really, they were really good fries. They were really fresh cut there at the track. So I would say Rockford Speedway had the best French fries. Nice. All right. What's your favorite race car that you've driven? Favorite race car that I've driven. I would say, um, let's see, I've driven, I would probably say I got to drive a super late model once in the Winchester 400. Uh, I only got to once, but I really liked it because it had a lot of power and you really had to manage it. So I didn't get much track experience. I feel like if I got more laps than I would have, I could have done better, but it was so fun to do, Uh, you know, just basically it felt like kind of the cup cars or how they used to be where you really had to finesse the throttle and you had to finesse the brakes as well and preserve it for the whole race. So I would say probably a super late model. What's the best racing movie? Best racing movie. Well, um, I I uh, I probably would say my two favorite would have to be um, Days of Thunder would probably be my personal favorite. Um, I I do want to give a shout out. I might be obligated to say Talladega Night since Andy Hillenberg helped was in filming for that movie. So I would have to say those two would be two of my favorites and also Ford B Ferrari of the ones recently. That was an extremely good move and I really liked it. They're all great movies. There's a lot of really good racing movies out there. All right. Thank you so much. Where can you be found online on social media, any merch, stuff like that. Shout yourself out, whatever you want to plug here. Well, you can find me on my website, ZacharyTinkle.com, or Twitter and Instagram at Zachary Tinkle, and my Facebook fan page, um, Zachary Tinkle, and also find me on Reddit, user slash Zachary Tinkle. Awesome. Thank you and so much. also my, my TikTok. I forgot I have a TikTok now, at Zachary Tinkle as well. So that will be, that will be where you can find me on the internet, I guess. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great getting to know you, talking to you, and uh, good luck this week. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on, and thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Yep. All right. Coming up next, I will preview the racing at Talladega. That's up next in segment three of the Quick Pit Podcast.
Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. We made it to segment three of this week's show. Thank you so much once again to Zachary Tinkle for coming on the show last segment. It was great to talk to him. I am so happy that we had him on. And we are ready now for the 213simware.com preview segment. We've got Talladega coming up. The best, one of the best races of the year because of the drama and excitement for the playoffs. Let's hope it's not rained out. There is a hurricane system that's moving through the area. So um, maybe brace yourselves for some delays throughout the weekend. I don't know what the weather looks like. It's hard to predict at this point. But we might have a repeat of last year with a race on Monday, but uh, we will hope that's not the case. Go to 213simware.com, our sponsor, one of our main partners here on the show, to go get your design made free. You can uh, free upload, no cost to upload, and then you can order your shirts from there. You do have to pay to order the shirts, but to upload, it's free. And uh, go check it out. He's uh, upgrading, they're upgrading their site and their experience for the customers as we speak. So um, should be new and improved soon. Go there for all your sim racing merchandise needs. Let's get into the Talladega preview. This spring, the race was won by Ross Chastain. I blanked for a second. Last fall, Bubba Wallace. Last uh, the the race before that, the other 2021 race was won by Brad Keselowski. So um, should be a very very interesting race to be. To be sure. So, of course, with the playoffs going on, some drivers are definitely going to take it easy. Some are not. Uh, some guys, it's their best shot at a, a win all year. Their their last good chance at a win. So, lots of underdogs. Lots of guys like that. Let's look at some drivers who are a threat to win at Talladega. Just about anyone can win at a super speedway. It's the last super speedway race of the year. Good <coughs> opportunity. Excuse me. To knock yourself, lock yourself into the next round of the playoffs. Take, uh, keep an eye on Joey Logano. He's always great at these races. Denny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, always up there at the finish. Both have wins at these types of tracks. Keep an eye on Michael McDowell. Of course, I'm, I'm fanboying, uh, or uh, at least uh, definitely... Uh, Calling more attention to him than others might because I, I like the guy. But Michael McDowell always at the end of these types of races. Brad Keselowski, of course, has a history of being very good at the plate super speedway racing. And really the Fords in general, the Penske Fords, Ryan Blaney as well, all always seem to be in the mix for this race. So definitely keep a close eye on all of those drivers as well. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is good at this. Uh, these races, Corey Joy typically makes it to the end of these. You never know. All the drivers seem to have a, a, a skill at, at winning these races. So, or a lot of drivers at least. So, I don't have any recommendations really for uh, for your fantasy or for whatever. You can, there's so many guys you can put in. Um, as the season winds down for fantasy, by the way, Connor, uh, Eric, and I have whittled away the lead a little bit. We're going to have a chance to... Um, we might be able to catch him. We will see how that goes. Let's get into picks this week before we sign off. Before I sign off for the episode, Eric's pick, Brad Kozlowski, big surprise there. Connor's pick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. My pick, Michael McDowell. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're very surprised with me and Eric's pick. It's a super speedway. We can pick whoever we want and have an equal chance at getting it right. Um, and series pick this week. It's a doozy. 
I tell you what, this guy has a real shot at winning. It's the 15 cart, which actually I think is David Reagan. I'm not sure, but I think it's David Reagan. Let me look up the entry list real quick. Um, if not, I mean, if it is David Reagan, then that's a really good underdog pick. Um, it's it's not David Reagan, though. It's J.J. Yelly, who still manages to keep the car clean. Will probably not wreck out, but I highly doubt he will win the race. Still, an underdog pick. As always, when uh, Siri picks one of these back of the pack fields, if uh, David Reagan win or not David Reagan, if J.J. Yaley wins the race, we'll give away a diecast of his. I'm sure there's a couple diecasts out for him. I think there's one of him from last year. But uh, if J.J. Yaley wins the race, we will give one away. Uh, Siri still is yet to get a winner correct. So um, poor Siri. In all the years of us doing this, Siri has never picked the correct winner in a race with that being said thank you so much for listening to this episode thank you to zachary tinkle for uh checking in with the interview in segment two and thanks for listening to my rant about uh texas in the playoffs that was fun connor might be back next week he's starting swim so we will um he's getting prepped for that season which is great uh, he needs he's gonna have a great year i think uh in that he, he and, and hopefully gets a scholarship or two for college uh, but he will be tied up with that for the next couple months. So I don't know how much we will hear Connor on the show, which is sad. But Eric will probably make some appearances. We'll get some guests on. It'll be we'll, we'll find some fun things to do without Connor while he's gone. And, of course, I'm sure you'll hear him checking in occasionally as well. But thank you to our sponsors, Circle B Diecast, Washington on the Daily, and 213simware.com for supporting the show. As always, thanks once again to Zachary. Tinkle, and we will see you next week on the Crazy Podcast.